Turn in your Bible with me to Luke 15. We're in, we began a series last Sunday called Making Heaven Happy. How many of you know, have you ever heard this, if mama ain't happy? You know, you've heard that. If mama ain't happy, ain't. You know the second part of that? If daddy ain't happy, nobody really cares. But we're, we're lifting and raising the bar, if you will, a little bit here. We want to make heaven happy. Because if heaven is not happy, ultimately nobody will be happy. And so we want to make heaven happy. And, and, uh, for these next few weeks, beginning last Sunday, and by the way, if you missed last Sunday or any Sunday, you can go to our website, cotrnorth.com, uh, and you can, uh, you can, I think you can subscribe to our podcast. I don't know a lot about that, but you can certainly get the audio and then eventually the videos of our Sunday morning services and you can take them with you everywhere and you can, you can uh, get involved that way. I would encourage you to go back to January and uh, listen to primarily the, the, the series in January on shift that began the second Sunday of January, uh, preparing your ways for greater days. Uh, those are four messages that I believe are transformational for all of us and especially for you. Uh, and so God has, I, you know what? This political scene is just baffling to me. Uh, I don't know if you're worried or not. You know what? How many of you know Jesus is Lord of, over all the earth? Amen. And he's bigger than uh, politics. And so I believe God has greater days for the church. Amen. And so I want you to catch that with me. And, and I want you to follow along with me and together as a church family, we want to do everything in our power to make heaven happy. Amen. I want heaven to be happy with me. I want God to look down and smile. Amen. I don't want him to be upset with me. I want him to be happy with me. I want him to be happy with our church. And last week we looked in Luke 15. Uh, and uh, that's, did I tell you to turn there? Did I? You just back up to Luke 10 because Luke 15 is where we were last week is the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son. And, and again, go back and catch this message. Luke 15, he, 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 um, he tells these three parables because of the questions and the frustrations and the, and the complaining of the Pharisees and the scribes because Jesus was hanging around with tax collectors and the sinners came near to hear him and the religious people went, ah, what's he doing? Now you, you gotta understand in Jesus day, there was a religious caste system and the Jewish law and the Jewish scribes and the Pharisees, they had developed a caste system that if you didn't match up, you never match up. And, uh, and so, so Jesus came into the middle of their, their midst and began to uh, seriously uh, uh, crush the cultural caste system of the day. And he did so with these parables. Uh, and he shared with them really what makes heaven happy. And I want to share that with you, the overarching threefold parabolic theme of these three parables is this, all of heaven gets happy when that which is lost is found. Let's say that together. If you can keep that in your heart forevermore, that'd be awesome. Because this is what makes heaven happy, is when that which is lost is found. Let's say it together. All of he heaven gets really happy when that which is lost is found. And so we see today that God 
wants us to be a part of his grand scheme of finding that which is lost and then bringing those that are lost to God and let heaven rejoice because of one sinner who comes home to God. How many of you remember the day you got born again? Amen. Well, when you got born again, heaven was happy. Now, this morning, I got a little distracted. And normally during after worship, I just take a little moment to tell you about Jesus. And I miss that. And I want to tell you about Jesus. Just from, I'm just going to, everybody get your pause button out. Get your pause button out. You see, when I was a little boy, my mother had a concern for my soul. She prayed for me and then she introduced me to Jesus. She prayed with me and I began to understand. She shared with me the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is the reality that Jesus Christ, like we sang, paid it all. He paid for our sin with His blood on the cross. Because see, we were all hopelessly separated from God because of sin. We're natural born sinners. Everybody said, I'm a natural born sinner. You say, I'm not making that confession. It's not a confession, it's the truth. Okay, you are. We're all just sinners saved by grace. And Jesus came to planet earth and He paid a great price. So He laid down His life so you and I could be saved. And as a little boy, I realized that. And one Sunday morning, when Brother James Shinrock gave an invitation at the Red Oak Baptist Church, I was on the right side of that little sanctuary about halfway down close to the side. And I got out from that, that uh, pew and walked down the aisle all of about 20 feet and back to the left and stood in front of my pastor, James Shinrock, who, by the way, today's my Facebook friend. And I gave my life to Christ. And I was born again. And I want to encourage you today, if you've never had that experience where you know that you know that Jesus paid for your sin and you yield yourself to Him because the gospel is this. If you just believe what He did for you and accept Him, I accept what you did for me. I believe that you died for me on a cross and you paid a price for my sin. And not only did you die, but you rose again so I could have a new life. That's the gospel. The Bible says it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So today, if you're here and you've never experienced the life-saving grace of God in your life and said yes to the gospel, uh, then today you can do that. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have the security of knowing that you know Him and that He knows you and you're on your way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas this morning, you need to get that fixed today. And I'll pray with you in a little bit and we'll give you an opportunity to be born again. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And when I got born again, heaven got happy. When you got born again, heaven got happy. And when your friends and neighbors are born again, heaven will be happy. And our responsibility is to help make heaven happy. And so that's where we began last week. And now turn over to Luke chapter 10. I want to backtrack in the, in the gospel of Luke with you. And I want to show you something else about how to make heaven happy. It's from the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it begins in verse 25. And I'm going to read it through. And it's kind of the same context from the standpoint of a religious lawyer and a religious leader was asking Jesus some questions. And he was, in a sense, trying to test him. And so, let's read this. You follow along with me. Chapter uh, 10, Luke 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer, that is a religious lawyer, uh, one who is a specialist in the law, uh, the Old Testament law. He stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? 
And he said to him, that is Jesus said to him. Now notice, uh, Jesus answered his question with a question. It's a great way to divert people away from what they're trying to accomplish with you in, an, in a debate or uh, in a, uh, even a conflict. Jesus knew how to divert away and get to the truth of the matter. And he said, well, what is written in the law? Now, he knew this guy knew what was written in the law. He was a lawyer. He was a religious professional, if you will. And he said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so he answered and said, this is what the, the lawyer said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Everybody go ding, 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 ding. Come on, everybody go ding, 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 ding. He got the answer correct because he knew the answer. In fact, Jesus said that in a couple of other places. In Matthew, he said, you know, the, let me give you the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You got to keep those two in your thoughts this morning. This guy got it right, but his heart was not right in the fact that he got it right. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, you've answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he, that is the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, let me stop and say, you'll never be able to accomplish that. This morning in Sunday circles, we learned about justification. Justification is being just as if I'd never sinned. And he was wanting to justify himself. And so he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now he's, he, he understands the way you kind of turn the tide too. He asks another question. And then Jesus answered and said, and here's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Are you ready? Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready? And so here's the parable. And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down to Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, now let me pause. And this is a parable. I just, I wanted to reaffirm that. This is a story he's telling for the purpose of a spiritual truth. This did not necessarily happen. You get, you get that. It's a parable. He, he's given an illustration. He's answering these two questions by way of an illustration. Okay, a certain man went down from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Uh, depending on how you look at it, if you're a pessimist or an optimist, either half dead or half alive, he's half dead. Uh, now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Get the picture? Can you get this picture in your mind? That's what Jesus is doing. You know, when you tell stories, it's for the purpose of drawing a word picture. I want you to get the picture. Here's the man beaten, battered, bruised, and scarred. Beaten up, lost, naked, half dead or half alive, however you want to say it. And here comes the religious person, the priest. And when he sees him, he walks, he says, ooh. And he walks by on the other side. And, and the parable continues. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side as well. How many think this guy's beginning to feel helpless and hopeless? Then in verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, everyone say Samaritan. Pause, remember the Samaritan. Who's the Samaritan? The Samaritan is the low caste of the lowest. He's the lowest of the low. The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. It's a no-no. 
You don't hang around. It's the religious caste. It's not. In fact, uh, when if you remember, we talked Wednesday night about the woman at the well and us. They're at the, he needed to go through Samaria, the Bible says, uh, and because he had an appointment from God, a divine appointment. If you weren't here Wednesday, you missed on how to have, turn your ordinary everyday life into divine appointments. Uh, and so, uh, he had an appointment there in Samaria and, and, uh, the, when his, man, everybody, what's he talking to this Samaritan woman? And the disciples were unnerved and she was a bit unnerved because of this religious caste system. And so he tells this story to this, this, this legal mind of the day, the lawyer, if you will, this story. And, and, and he talks about a good Samaritan. He said, the religious guy comes by and passes him on the other side. The Levi, that's another religious guy. He passes him by on the other side, but a certain Samaritan, everybody say a certain Samaritan. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had what? Compassion. So he went to him. Everyone say, he went to him. And he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and whatever more you need, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of you, now he, now he, now here, now he's back to the lawyer and he asks him this question. See, he keeps asking questions. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he was, he was busted, if you will. And he said to him, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Jesus crushed again the religious caste system. And he contrasted the religiosity of the Levite and the, and, and, and the priest with just a certain low caste Samaritan who came by and had compassion. And it, here's the interesting thing. Uh, Jesus never really answered his question, uh, who is my neighbor? He said, who is my neighbor? He never really answered that, but he began to define by this story who a real neighbor is. And he wasn't answering for the religious order of the day, who's your neighbor? He's saying, this is what it's going to take for you to be one. This is what it's going to take. Hey, the good Samaritan had it and he posed him uh, this question. He said, which one of the three? He said, the one who had mercy on him. This good Samaritan had the heart of Jesus. Did you realize that? Because the Bible teaches us in Matthew 14, 14 and many other places, just like this good Samaritan, it says of Jesus in Matthew 14, 14, He was moved. Everybody say moved. He was moved with compassion. And He looked out and He said, He saw their needs. He was moved with compassion for them. And He healed their sick. You see, the good Samaritan was the good, he was the, he was the good neighbor. He was the one who was revealing the heart of Jesus in this scenario. And if we're going to be people who make heaven happy, we've got to embrace the heart of Jesus for a hurting and a lost world. 
If you want to make heaven happy, you're going to have to become the good Samaritan. You're going to have to embrace the heart of Jesus. You're going to have to reach out and realize, hey, this is what Jesus wants of me. There's a world that needs Christ. If you go back to last week when we talked about the lost son, the elder brother, he was angry because daddy had compassion on the young son who had abused and used his inheritance and and, and embarrassed the family name. And and in fact, he wouldn't even identify with with his brother. He said, this son of yours... He was irritated and upset and frothed up because of the sin of his little brother and the embarrassment of his little brother. In fact, he was jealous that his daddy threw a, threw a party for this no good sinner. Listen, if we're going to make heaven happy, we got to get past all that junk. And we've got to have the heart of Jesus. We're going to make heaven happy. We've got to embrace the heart of Jesus for hurting humanity. And let me just say, whether they're rich or poor, black or white, there is no caste system with God. We're all sinners. All we like sheep have gone astray and we've all turned to our own way. And the Bible says the Lord laid on Him the iniquity of, of us all. He loves us all just the same. And I'm so thankful that He was compassionate toward me in that while I was hurting and lost and battered and bruised and scarred, even as a little boy under the spell of sin, death, on my way to hell uh, uh, in a hurry, He had compassion upon me. And he came to me and he poured in the oil and the wine into my heart and life. He brought healing into my heart and I gave my life to him. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you Pastor Sam's, and I think this will tweet, Pastor Sam's tweet thou this opportunity. Any Twitter people in the house? Tweet thou this. I want to say tweet thou this. That's just my alliteration working. I, if you're a, is that what it is? Alliteration? All you grammar scholars? It's just, it's just the preacher in me. I can't help, you know, tweet thou this. Here's what you got to get. Here it is. And maybe you saw that. I think I actually tweeted thou this. Here it is. There is no such thing as compassionless Christianity. If hurting lost people do not move you, you are nothing more than a religious relic with no real life inside. Let's read it out loud together. Everybody say, tweet thou this. Some of you older folks going, what is he tweeting? What what in the world? In fact, you could take a picture of that and tweet, put that on Twitter. Because I'm not sure that has, you'd have to count up the characters there, Ryan. I don't know if that, that might be too many characters. How many do you have in 140 characters in Twitter? You got to say it in 140 characters or less, so you may have to edit a little. But you can take a picture of that and post that on Twitter if you want. But catch this. This is the reality. There's no such thing as compassionless Christianity. Let me tell you something. When the, when, when the, the one who was battered, bruised, and scarred left half dead and, and naked laying on the road between uh, Jerusalem and Jericho and the religious priest came by and went, ooh. Everybody said that just ain't Christian. Come on, you can say ain't in church. Everybody say that just ain't Christian. There's no such thing. So if we call ourselves Christian, read 1 John 
Read First John, especially 4. It says, if you say you love God and hate your neighbor, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Read the whole First, God, First John 1, uh, 2, 3, and 4. It's all about the love of God and how when you embrace... It's like these two commandments. You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You have to love your neighbor as yourself. You can't get that apart from the other. They work hand in hand. And so, so hey, uh, it's there's no such thing as compassionless Christianity. If hurting lost people do not move you, what hey, what was Jesus? He was moved with compassion and He healed them. The Good Samaritan, He was moved. Everybody say, He was moved. Something, hey, if you can see hurting, dying people on their way to a devil's hell and they don't move you, then you are not a Christian. Uh-oh. Pastor's getting it down to where the rubber meets the road. Because if you've been born again and you've experienced the saving grace of God in your life, you know what it means to be lost and found. Somebody say lost and found. Whew, I was lost on my way to a devil's hell and Jesus found me and He saved me and He healed me and He picked me up and He poured in the oil and the wine. Man, if that's happened to you, when you see people in the same boat that you were in, it ought to move you, my friend. There's no such thing as compassionless Christianity. If hurting lost people do not move you, you're nothing more than a religious relic with no real life inside. When the Levite and the Pharisee or the priest pass by, they're just religious relics. They had no life inside. We make heaven happy by being a true neighbor to a world that is beaten, battered, bruised, and scarred. That's how we make heaven happy. Most people are hunting for a neighbor. How about we become one? That's what he's saying. That's what he was saying to the, the legal mind of the day. Quit worrying about who's your neighbor. And just be one. Here's what it's going to take. You have to have the heart of Jesus. You can't be religious. You can't be high-minded. You have to be you have to have compassion for hurting lost people who need Jesus today. Let me give you some simple thoughts today from this parable of the Good Samaritan. True neighbors bring help to the hurting. True neighbors bring real genuine help to the hurting. Notice something about this parable. The Good Samaritan didn't invite him to church. Now, there's nothing wrong with inviting your friends to church. That's certainly valid. In fact, I want everybody to invite your friends to church next Sunday. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to invite our friends to church next Sunday. Now, I'm not being critical about inviting people to church, but let me tell you something, what real compassion is, it's beyond just a simple invitation. It's beyond, you know, it, he, he didn't just come by and say, let me pray for you, brother. I see you're hurting here. Let me pray for you. God bless you. Have faith in God. He didn't do this. You know, some of us charismatics might do this. Brother, what are you doing down there? What sin did you have in your life to incur such terrible trauma? Maybe you should ask God to forgive you. 
Because surely because you've been through this trouble, you must have done something wrong. I've met people like that. Have you ever met anybody like that? You know what happens when I meet people like that? The spirit of slap comes on me and I have to rebuke it. I just say, Oh, brother. You ever had the spirit of slap come on you? It just... See, they've never heard my old euphemisms yet. They still think. True neighbors bring help to those who are hurting. Now, catch this. I love verse 33 and 34. What did the... Here's the Levite and the priest. Woo, they're, they're walking around. Something. The good Samaritan, the neighbor, catch, you gotta catch the spiritual, he's telling a story, he's revealing the heart of, of what it means to be a neighbor. It says he saw him and he came to him. He came where he was. Let me tell you something, you gotta get where they are if you're ever gonna be able to help them. You can't walk around them. You can't ignore them. You can't just, you, you know, uh, tiptoe around the tulips. You gotta get where they are. In fact, Jesus, <coughs> pardon me, Jesus, Peter and, and, and the fisherman guys, they'd had a bad day fishing. They were hurt and they had financial troubles. They had, they had, uh, personal, uh, 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 vision problems. They had all kinds of needs in their life and Jesus got in their boat. And that's the way the good Samaritan is. He came to where he was. And then the next verse says this, he not only came to where he was, he went to him. Some of you get real nervous when you get in a group of sinners. You know, it's like, how are you? I see. Yeah. Listen, the true neighbor gets in the midst of sinners. And not only does he get there and mingle, mix, but, but he brings help to those who are hurting. In fact, James said this, James 1 and 2, uh, James 1 says, pure religion, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. It's, hey, here, if you want to talk about what it really means to be uh, a Christian, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You see, the Pharisee, pardon me, the, 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 the priest and the Levite, they didn't want to get tainted. They, and this is cause this is an illustration. They're religious, you see, and they're keeping themselves unspotted from the world. Oh, be careful of those lost people out there. They'll They'll taint you. And, and James came along and said, listen, real religion is to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble to bring help to the hurting people of the world. And I'm not talking about just bread and stuff. I'm talking about the healer Jesus. We're not just here to feed the hungry physically. We're here to feed the hungry spiritually because, listen, there's hurt. Did you know people, they, they can live in, in, in a mansion and they're not really living. They can wear alligator shoes and can't walk right. They got a refrigerator full of food and can't eat. Why? Because they're lost. And in a very real sense, battered and bruised and scarred by life. And the real neighbor is the one who comes to them with compassion. 
pours in the oil and the wine. If you go back to James 2, he talks about this. This pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is to visit the widows and, and the orphans in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. He's talking about works and, and, and faith. And you go to chapter two, he talks about faith and works. Some people say, I have faith. Some people, I have works and the works save you. He said, no, let me just tell you, when you get saved and you have faith, it will be made manifest by what you do in life. The evidence, come on, I'm going to get right down to where the, where the old cow eats the cabbage. The evidence of Christianity is not the bumper sticker on your car or the Bible you carry with you wherever you go. It's what you do with what you have. I have Jesus in my life. What do I do with Him? I make make Him manifest to a world that is lost and without Christ. James said this, you have faith, some have works. I'm going to show you my faith by my works. That's the evidence of what it means to be born again. True neighbors bring help to those who are hurting. He poured in the oil and the wine, and he didn't just say, be warmed and filled. He said, listen, I'm going to take care of you. And then not only did he uh, uh, take care of him, but he gave the innkeeper uh, more money. He said, listen, I'm in this for the long haul with this guy. Listen, we got to be in it on the long haul with folks. You never know when they may say yes to Christ. And he was all in with helping this guy because he was a true neighbor. He had compassion. He had the heart of Jesus. And people who have the heart of Jesus, they make heaven happy because they're always reaching out to a world that is hurting. It's their nature. They come to where they are and they pour in the oil and the wine. Listen, most of us, I don't want to be critical. Some of us are more judgmental with people who got themselves in a mess than they are helpful. Listen, we need to take off that judgmentalism and realize we were all a sinner and God's mercy and grace came to us. Had it not been for His mercy and grace, we'd be just like everybody else in this world. Come on now. True neighbors bring help to those who are hurting. Number two, true neighbors bring healing to those who are hurting. Did you know we have the cure? Did you know we have the cure for depression? Did you know we have the cure for mental illness? Did you know we have the cure for physical sickness? Did you know we have the, the cure for condemnation of sin? Did you know we, hey, and if you want to wax allegorical, he poured in the oil and the wine. He poured in uh, all that he had, the oil representing the Holy Spirit, the wine representing the blood of Jesus on his life. Let me tell you something, the cross of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit will bring healing to every hurting heart. The true neighbor brings healing to the hurting and makes God happy. What do you, who do you think made God happy in this story? The religious. Oh, that just Samaritan, that outcast, that low caste, nobody who somehow realized that had it not been for God's mercy and grace, so would be I. True neighbors bring healing to the hurting. They bring healing to people and they, 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 
embrace them. Just like Jesus sent us out to do. Did you know we've been sent to bring healing? In fact, Luke chapter 9 and 10 both reveal this truth. Luke 9, he's sending out the 12. Uh, it's, uh, he sends them out and he tells them in verse 1 and 2, he says, Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to do what? Are y'all with me this morning? He gave them power. Is this in the Bible? Is this real? Are you with me this morning? Say, I'm with you, Pastor. You're a little quiet today. I need your help. He, he, he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power. That is supernatural power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to do what? Heal the sick. You see, Christianity is all about those two things. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and bringing healing to a hurting world. And the true neighbor is the born-again believer who has compassion on lost people. And he brings help. He brings uh, healing uh, to those who are hurting. And if you go over... If you go over to Luke 10, now he's sending out the 70. He basically says the same thing in verse 9. He's sending out the 70, 35 evangelistic teams. And he tells them this in verse 9, and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. He said, preach the kingdom and heal the sick. There's hurting people in the world who need a healing in their hearts. They need a healing in their bodies. And we have authority. Everybody say, I have authority. We have authority and power over demons. Demons? There's still demons? Yes, there's demons. Yes, there's demons. And we have authority over them to bring healing and help to a world that is without Christ. And I love this story of the Good Samaritan. He did everything in his power. To make sure this hurting, wounded person got healed. That's what true neighbors do. That's what true Christianity is all about. True neighbors, true Christianity brings help to those who are hurting. True neighbors, true Christianity brings healing to those who are hurting. Number three, true neighbors, true Christianity brings hope to those who are hurting. I'm telling you, how hopeless do you think this guy was? Put yourself in his shoes. Now, it's just a story, but put yourself in his shoes. He'd been robbed, beaten, battered, and scarred. And people who ought to know better were passing him by. When the, pre when the preacher and the singer both pass you by, your hope level starts going down in a hurry. When the preacher and the singer, Jay, oh, no, you know, uh, not, mm, sorry. See you later. That'll make you pretty hopeless. And let me tell you, this world is hopeless without Christ. I love what Paul said to the, to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2. Let me read it for you. He talks about, our, about the nature of humanity apart from Christ and, being, and the fact that we are hopeless without Him. Have you ever felt a sense of hopelessness? Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 2.12. It says about all of us, it says that at the time 
And at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now Christ, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. You see, all the world is lost and without Christ. And without Him, uh, there's no hope. And genuine, true Christianity and neighbors, they bring hope to those who are hurting. They don't pass by. One of my favorite movies is Castaway. Wilson! Gosh! Knocks his tooth out with a skate. Ah! What a hopeless... It's a picture of lost humanity. When you start talking to a volleyball... You need help. And he would see things in the night passing by. And every day, hope faded. Our goal in life is to make heaven happy and to bring hope to those who are hopeless. They have no hope and without God in the world, we're the ones who bring it to them. And finally today, true neighbors bring heaven to those who are hoping, or pardon me, those who are hurting. If you go back to Luke 9 and Luke 10 where Jesus is sending out the 12 and He's sending out the 70 and this is, this is the whole, listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They went out and preached the gospel. I just shared the gospel with you at the beginning of this message. The gospel of the kingdom that Jesus died for us. Listen carefully. True neighbors know how to tell their friends how to be saved. True neighbors will work their way. They'll draw, listen, they'll draw in close. They'll come to where they are. And they'll bring heaven to them. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And what He did for you. He saved me. He washed me white as snow. He died on a cross for my sin and His blood took care of my sin. And I was, as we learned in Sunday circles this morning, I was justified. I became, He washed me white as Oh, precious is the flow that washed me white as snow. You see, true Christians, true neighbors know how to tell their friends how to be born again. They'll pour in the oil and the wine and bring health and healing. And hope in heaven to a world that's without Christ. That's what makes heaven happy. So this week, we have another opportunity to look beyond ourselves and help others find heaven help others find the hope that is in Christ and let me tell you something the hope uh, the hope that God gives 
It's not I hope He does this for me. It's a confident expectation of good for my future. I have a hope in Him that, that hey, no matter what I go through here in this life, I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. I am His and He is mine. This morning, we stand in the presence, we're seated in the presence of a healing Jesus. Who died for our sins so we could go to heaven, so we could find hope and healing in our hearts. You know what I believe today? Not only are we here a group of potential good Samaritans, but I got a feeling in this room today there may be some battered and scarred, and abused and used. We're feeling a little hopeless. I've got good news today. Jesus is passing by. The heart of Jesus is here to help you. And to heal you. And to give you hope. A lot of people take their lives. They lose hope. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our healing. And we are His hands extended into the middle of a world that is lost and help, helpless and bruised, battered and scarred. Let's stand up together today. I'm going to ask no one to leave. We've got a few moments here today. In fact, we've got more than a few. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I sense the presence of the Lord here. I sense the healing virtue of God here. God wants to heal us. He wants to not only give us hope, but He wants to bring healing. He wants to pour in the oil and the wine into our lives. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I relate more to that one who's been beaten and battered and bruised than anyone else in this story. That's the way I feel in life. I smile on the outside, but it, it, it's just camouflage misery. And today I need he healing in my life and in my heart. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You're here today and you can say, Pastor, that's me. I need the healing virtue of God in my life. If that's you, lift up your hand wherever you are and say, that's me, Pastor. I feel beaten, battered, and bruised, and scarred. Anyone here? Anyone just say, Pastor, pray for me. I need healing. God bless you. I need healing in my heart. You may be here and you've got, a, you've got a wounded heart. You may be a believer, but you've got wounds in your life and you've got, you've got scars and, and issues that bring, that, that keep you from your greater days. Lift your hands and that's me, Pastor. I need the healing of God in my heart. Anyone else? Father, today we come to you and we ask you, Lord Jesus, to make Yourself manifest in our midst.
we ask You to bring healing in our hearts and lives. And we ask You, Lord Jesus, to not only heal us, but Lord, help us be the neighbor You would have us to be. Help us to be true Christians. Help us to be those who have compassion on that which is lost. Father, I pray for those today that need Your healing in their hearts, that need Your healing in their lives, that need even healing in their bodies. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need healing in my body, lift your hand wherever you are. We're going to pray for you. Anyone else? If you need healing today, I want to ask you to come. Even in your heart, your soul, your mind, come to this altar today. We're going to just release the healing virtue of God. Come on, if you lifted your hand, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Worship team's going to lead us in a simple song, and we're going to pray. We're just going to ask God to have His way in our hearts. There's families that need to be healed. Huddle up in here in the center. Come on in. Let's gather in here.